This is History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. This is episode number 42. On the show, I have the Reverend Ben Campbell. Uh, Ben Campbell is the senior pastor at Richmond Hill. If you're not familiar with what Richmond Hill is, it is a ecumenical Christian fellowship and residential community. Uh, They do a lot of spiritual retreats. Um, And it's housed in a historic monastery right in the heart of Churchill. Uh, when I lead tours through Churchill, uh, people are always interested in the complex, um, what it is. Uh, I mean, it stands out from all the homes. I mean, it's takes up two full blocks almost. Uh, it runs from 23rd street, uh, all the way to the, the gray street overlook where gray street stops before it, you know, plummets into the Shaco Valley. Um, but the, you know, the Southern border of it is Taylor park. Um, and, and that's one thing, uh, many people have never even heard of Taylor park, uh, but it's the steep hill that rises up, uh, from East Franklin street between 21st and 23rd street, right downtown. Uh, it does brush up against the, the definition line between empty field and park, but I can assure you it's a park. Um, there are a number of people that, you know, walk up and down the stairs or the little path that goes through on this very steep hill and may not even realize that it's a park themselves as they're there. But again, I can sure assure you it's a park. And uh, Ben, you know, tells us about how it became a park and the rest of the, the very rich history of Richmond Hill and, and the land where it, where it's established today. Uh, but But Ben is not just the senior pastor of Richmond Hill. He's also the author of a really great book called Richmond's Unhealed History. Uh, It's a great read. It's, you know, it's about uh, racial oppression in in the area, Uh, not just in Richmond, but, you know, goes all the way back to 1607. Uh, You know, not just black and white issue, but with the natives as well. Um, puts a lot of things in, in context. Really, really interesting. Uh, I highly recommend you check it out. You can get it anywhere you buy books. Uh, but you should actually just go to Richmond Hill. Just walk in, say hello, and I don't know. You might be able to see Ben. He might sign your book for you. You, n- you never know. Uh, but it really is a fantastic book. Um, and that's why it may sound weird, but that's why we didn't cover it in this conversation. Uh, we didn't have enough time to get anywhere near it. Um, so we really just talk about the history of Richmond Hill, but I, I really do look forward to covering the book and talking to him about that history, um, the racial history in, in, in the Richmond area, um, on, on a future episode. Um, but go buy his book. Um, if you read the book, when we do that episode, um, you can check out Facebook and Twitter and you know Tumblr and actually submit a question form. Ask I'll, I'll ask your question on this podcast. Um, but a really great time to go get his book uh, would be at Richmond Hill on March 23rd at 7:30, where he will be giving a lecture uh, called uh, "Richmond Burning: The Destruction of Richmond and the Liberation of Its People." Right? It's 7:30 on March 23rd, right there at Richmond Hill. It's free. It's open to the public. 
go check it out. Um, you can check out Richmond Hill's website for more information about that. Uh, but before we get into the conversation, the weather is changing. It's getting better. It's staying light outside much, much later. We've had that daylight savings change. So go check out River City Segs. River City Segs is the premier Segway tour company in Richmond. The only indoor Segway training area in Virginia. Right? You can find out more information at rivercitysegs.com. You can check them out uh, on Facebook, River City Segs, on Twitter, at 804-SEGS. Just give them a call, 804-343-6105. You can also just go check it out, 1805 East Gray Street, uh, River City Segs is located in a f- really interesting eight, uh, 1884 firehouse. Go check them out. Step on a Segway. See how that works. And always practice safe Segs. But now, let's go ahead and get to the conversation. Um, I did arrive early to our meeting there at Richmond Hill. Uh, so I was able to sit in the garden for a while. It was really nice and took a few pictures. Um, I'll post those on hi- at historyreplacetoday.org. It really is a very beautiful oasis uh, right in the middle, you know, the heart of the city. But uh, but then Ben and I grabbed a cup of tea and we sat down in a small conference room and he began to tell me about the history of where we were sitting up on the edge of that hill. Well, Richmond Hill, uh, the original... Prayer work here was done by Native American people, probably for the last ten thousand years. The mm-hmm. most Native folks that I've asked say that this has always been a place of prayer here. It's the highest hill in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it overlooks the falls of the James, and it has a sunset that's uh, worth dying for. Absolutely. And um, so, if you've ever been to the top of a hill anywhere, or mm-hmm. at least of a mountain. You know, you will see a place where people sit down and just kind of contemplate and watch. Mm-hmm. And if there's a sunset, they watch the sunset and they leave their candy wrappers there. And um, inevitably, a place such as this, uh, a hill such as this, would have been a place of prayer throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man named Richard Adams came here <coughs> in about 1765, came to Church Hill which was the original part of Richmond, mm-hmm. had been laid out by Richmond, Rich, by William Byrd. And Richard Adams built a house somewhere. But in 1780, he built a large house here, right where Richmond Hill is, right where our garden is. In mm-hmm. fact, you were sitting on the footprint of the house when you were there at that fountain. Okay. And Richard Adams built this house. He was one of the original founders of the city of Richmond. Is that the... Um, it's still visible, the footprint? Or the the the, wa- the footprint is not fully. I mean, the, okay. that square is one half of the house. Okay, all right, all right. Because there's where the wall is. There's like a, a dip there. I don't know. I can show you in the wall, and I can show you pictures here in the lounge of the house that was that he lived in. Okay, fair enough. Um, and he built a house here, a grand house in 1780. In 1782, down at the foot of the hill. At 21st and Main, where the Henrico County um, courthouse was until the mid-70s. Right. Um, he was one of the uh, 10 or 12 people that formed the Common Council of Richmond and started this city in 1781 or 1782. Right. He then became one of the first mayors 
his name is on the wall at the city council along with the list of mayors. Mm-hmm. He he owned all of Churchill. Okay. He was the wealthiest man in the city. Right. And his house was called Richmond Hill, and he called this place Richmond Hill. Okay. He had a number of children, I think about 10, and they all had mansions on Churchill. Uh, one of his children was Richard Adams Jr. Richard Adams Jr. built the house you and I are sitting in um, in 1810. Okay. And this house was doubled in size in 1860, had another story added to it. We have a picture of this original house in our lounge as well. Mm-hmm. The, his, another son, John Adams, built the house where Bellevue School now stands. Right. Uh, which later became the mansion of Elizabeth Van Loo, the leading Yankee spy in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. John also built the first hotel in Richmond, which was down at, I think, 18th or 19th in Maine. I believe it was called the Union Hotel. Okay. And he also was a mayor, so his name is on the on the wall as well. Mm-hmm. His daughter um, married a man named Carrington, and they built this absolutely beautiful house across from Bellevue School that's mm-hmm. really really the prettiest house, historic house. And that's the one with Churchill the... With the bow front. With the bow it. front, right. right. So, And there were five or six others, um, one of whom I think married a, gov- married a, a man who became governor. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Adams was a good friend of Thomas Jefferson. If, if you'd been here in 1785 or so, you know, the people who went in and out of that house would have been all the people, you know, right. George Mason, Thomas Jefferson, Lafayette, they'd all been in and out of that house because it mm-hmm. was the, the major house in the city. Sure. And uh, remember, Richmond didn't really happen until uh, right. till 1781. So sure. that's when Richard Adams built his house. He'd had it built, so he was the big mm-hmm. kahuna here. And he thought that Jefferson was going to build his capital over on Churchill, and he offered him free land for that. Mm-hmm. Whether that land was Jefferson Park okay. or not, I don't know, although I wouldn't be surprised. But do, in any case, Jefferson... Do you know why Jefferson Park is named for Jefferson No, and that's what that's, I'm wondering. Okay, all right. In any case, Jefferson turned him down, probably because Richard Adams owned the whole place. Right. And instead took a site over on the other hill, Shaco Hill, where yeah. there was other land available that other people could buy. Mm-hmm. And so the city developed over there. Uh, Adams and Jefferson apparently never spoke again after Jefferson turned him down mm-hmm. on his land for the capital. So that's the that's the Richard Adams house. It no longer stands. And in 1866, um, the well, actually interesting in 1864 apparently. Um, in the garden of the Richard Adams house, which is a very famous garden and went all the way down the hill through Taylor's Hill Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, um, Robert E. Lee came to celebrate the uh, the birthday of the person, of the little girl who lived in the house at the time, oh. whose name was Ellet, um, Jenny Ellet, who mm-hmm. was the, uh, her dad was the clerk of Henrico County. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jenny later was the founder of Miss Jenny's School, which is St. Catherine's. Oh, okay. But, of course, wherever Robert E. Lee was, that was a famous event. Right. <laughs> but in 1866, the Sisters of the Visitation were one of three religious orders that came to Richmond at the request of the Catholic bishop, 
who had put out an appeal to religious communities in Baltimore, which was the major city that related to Richmond, not Washington, because mm-hmm. of the steamboats. He put out an appeal to the uh, religious communities of Baltimore to come help Richmond, because mm-hmm. Richmond had burned and was in right. desperate shape. And the, the Sisters of the Visitation came here mm-hmm. to Richard Adams' house. Um, and I could be wrong. Am I insane to think that... Because um, I remember I was... I didn't have no idea why I was even looking at this, but... Um, the Catholic Church had somewhat um, skipped over Richmond, right? I know they, they set up a bishop here. 1840 or so, 41, 45. It was yeah. St. Peter's Church downtown. Well, the, I guess because it was before that, the, the first bishop just never showed up. Like hmm. he got to basically, like they were saying he showed up in um, either Baltimore or Norfolk and then just was like, yeah, I'm not going to go do that. Like, I'm just going to stay here. And then ended up going back to England before he was the Bishop of Richmond and never even set foot here once. Um, well, you know, Catholics were not welcome in Virginia. Right. I mean, that's why Maryland existed. Right. was mm-hmm. so Catholics could go there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when they began to get the first Catholics in here. But sure. It was, it was late. Yeah, yeah. Probably after the Revolution. Right. Or the half revolution. We don't talk about a revolution here. We talk about a half revolution. (laughs) Right. Because half the population went into slavery. Right. The other half went into freedom. Right. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to get more details. I actually would like to talk to uh, somebody about the Catholic history of the city. Yeah. Good. When you find out, let me know. So that'll be a totally different podcast. But um, yeah. So so the Sisters of Visitation, and where are they coming from? They're Baltimore. coming from Baltimore, and the uh, the Benedictine sisters came and started St. Gertrude's, mm-hmm. and some Sisters of Mercy, I think, started St. Patrick's School over here. So those three groups came. Mm-hmm. Sisters came here and started a girls' school. Mm-hmm. And in 1880, they added this building that we're sitting in right now, which was Richard Adams Jr.'s house. Okay. They purchased this, and they had a bunch of buildings in between, mm-hmm. and gradually put together a pretty serious... Monastery. They traded the hillside of Taylor's Hill Court or Taylor's Hill Park to um, to the city in return for 22nd Street, which used to come into this property. Right. Um, the city was supposed to take care of Taylor's Hill Park. Um, it seems to have trouble mowing it right now, but <laughs> yeah. we know it belongs to the city. Right. And they then, in 1910, built a wall around the property. In, ni- in 1894, they built... A beautiful chapel, which was mm-hmm. built by the Miss um, Thomas Fortune Ryan, who also built the cathedral. Well, and hold on, let's back up. Like, who's this school for? Because there are there. It was. For, are there are there um, proper public schools? That doesn't. Yeah. Well, there were public schools. Yes. Okay. Starting in sure 1869 in Virginia. 1869. Okay. But um, the. It was for girls, uh, Catholic girls. Uh, some of them boarded here, and some of them were day students. Okay. And the sisters basically used that as their source of revenue uh-huh. um, until 1928, when mother, the mother superior here, who was a dooley, mm-hmm. was left some money, and they basically closed the girls' school and became a completely contemplative monastery. Okay. Until 1985. In 1985, they were able to, they got $2.8 million and were able to build a new monastery out in Rockville, Hanover County, which was 
five miles beyond Short Pump in an attempt to get away from the city, mm-hmm. um, which followed them immediately. Um, and and they put this place up for sale. So right. Um, and how crazy is that? That they just basically closed the walls up. Like when it's a and I don't know. I always thought a monastery was for fellas and a convent was for... Yeah, so did I. But that's monastery. <laughs> <laughs> as they explained it to me, as Mother Margaret Mary, who was the superior, explained it to me, a monastery, in their terminology, um, is a place that where the religious order does not leave. A convent okay. is a place where the sisters live who go out and serve, either in a school or other social service okay. things. So they considered this a monastery. Only two people could leave. There was the the mother superior and an extern, a person who was allowed to go out and buy groceries or something like that. Whoa. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's amazing. So they came here and uh, and kept this place going and uh, eventually built this dormitory here in nineteen twenty eight with some of the money from the legacy. We closed down the Wait, grocery. How school. many nuns are here? There were about thirty. About thirty. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. And there, that's yeah. wow. Yeah, so you got to get along too. If you <laughs> if you don't get along with somebody, you're in bad shape. Well, they had a vow of silence. I mean, I I guess. Oh, you, really? I guess you could slap somebody, but it's yeah. hard to, <laughs> hard to say something to somebody. Um, yeah, it was pretty much a vow of silence that you. I think the the rule permits uh, brief uh, language if there's a need, like. Um, you know, come put out this fire or, right. you know, excuse me, I didn't mean to hit you in the face as I walked by you or right. something like that. And these folks are going to spend <clears throat> like most of their like life, like 10 years in, in that kind of no, situation? No, it's life vows. It's life vows. Wow, that's intense. Yeah, it is. And so, so you know, the number of persons um, committing themselves to this has decreased ragged, yeah. rapidly, which is one of the reasons... We started Richmond Hill. We felt that having a religious community praying for the city was not an option, that a healthy city really needed that. Mm-hmm. And um, and being able to offer a place of prayer to anybody who wants to come, we don't ask any questions, mm-hmm. we just get to come here, um, sure. was an important thing and that we would... Um, so 15 denominations got together, prayed for the place, and... Uh, tried to make it into a place of prayer with a religious community, which would include men and women, married and single. Children could be here, and people did not take life vows. They took annual vows or multi-year vows, but not not life vows. Mm-hmm. And so, and how long between when it was a convent or sorry a, a monastery between it and then it becomes Richmond, Richmond Hill? Is it like sit dormant? A year and a half, maybe. Okay, so it's um, yeah, good. it was vacant. They tried to sell it. For condos to everybody they could find. <laughs> um, meanwhile, we said we wanted, but we didn't have enough money to buy it. Right. They were asking 1.1 million. Um, we had 300,000. Right. And uh, Which, of, let me do of, the math real quick. Yeah. Not, that's not close. That's, no, that's not, not close at all. One of their potential buyers was a, a man who had gotten his money on arbitrage on Wall Street and was very much on the edge of the law. He bought the Charles store on Broad Street and he bought two historic houses in the bottom, down there in Chaco Bottom. The Charles store went up in smoke one day. Um, and wait, what is the Charles store? Well, it was a department store on Broad Street. I can okay. show you the vacant land to this day. Okay. Um, Charles store went up in smoke and he 
uh, his insurance company refused to pay because another property he owned in another city had just gone up in smoke. Mm. And he owned this. He had a $100,000 deposit on this place. Oh, wow. So he forfeited the $100,000. That brought down the mm-hmm. the sale price to us. A number of other things happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, they called us up and said, you know, how much money do you have? And we said, we've got $600,000. And they said, well, we want seven hundred, And we said, we don't have seven hundred. <laughs> you know, we want seven hundred too, but yeah. we don't have it. And then they called us back again and sold it to us for six hundred thirty-six thousand. The thirty-six thousand was a third mortgage securing the real estate broker's fee. Wow, <laughs> fantastic! So we uh, we were able to get the property. And, and, and what kind of fundraising? I mean, is that just through the offerings at church, or well, no, I mean, you know, this is there was no no church offering. There were. Some people who, who uh, lent us money, the Historic Richmond Foundation lent us three hundred thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. Other individuals gave money to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Somehow we got it. Just <laughs> um, all right. Fair enough. Then we spent. Then the city told us that we couldn't have the special use permit that they promised us before we bought it. So it took us eighteen months to get another special use permit. And what was up with that? Like why they just well, the man who uh, who promised us the special use permit, because the use was essentially the same as the sisters, mm-hmm. um, went to Mobile. He left, and um, there were some, some... Someone else changed their mind. Some city officials who um, had other ideas, and it took us a while to wear them down. Basically. Okay. Yeah. And But we got support from city council people who wanted it to happen. And Right. And when, when is it actually opening as Richmond Hill? Um, November of 89. Okay. Huh. So it's not that long ago. Nope. Uh, 27 years about now, I think. And so the, oh, so the, the nuns were in here in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fantastic. Until 85. Yeah. Still kind of fascinated that this section, I mean, and I'm trying to think like what, what this block is like in the eighties. Right, like this, like this, like pretty. This well was this box was completely renovated, and um, the twenty three hundred club had been established. Twenty three hundred club was originally where Patrick Henry's restaurant is mm-hmm. at twenty three hundred Broad, right? Um, and it had moved over here, I think, in the early eighties. Okay, um, but these houses were all renovated on this street, and the pilot block in front of Bellevue was completely renovated. So it had been gentrified at that point, mm-hmm. and um, so it's still it's a very strange. WRVA like, was still across the street, right? Um, which, like, I'm sure you know the the religious contribution to to the folks in here. I'm sure it seems all kinds of worth it, but this valuable piece of property, I'm sure, to everyone outside, is probably looking at it's like, what are they doing in there, like? Yeah, the, um, some of the folks in the planning department kept fighting us and saying, we don't think this is the highest and best use of the property. Right, exactly. Which gave us a really interesting theological conversation. Sure. I mean, so how do you define highest and best use? Is praying for Metropolitan Richmond or maintaining a, a sanctuary for anybody in the city to come to free to just be here? Mm-hmm. Is that not the highest and best use? Right. Know, what would God think is the highest and best use right. of the property? 
Um, but the, the problem was that anybody who looked at the property, when we were you know, hoping to buy it, but it was 18 months before we got the money. Mm-hmm. And they were happy to sell it to anybody they could find. Okay. They, I mean, they were really ready to sell. Um, the problem was that everybody who looked at it um, saw a place that was too historic to tear down. That is, they would have had to get some really rough permits to do it, mm-hmm. but too purpose-built to be used for any other purpose. And that's exactly what I was just thinking about, is um, how beautiful all this stuff is, but how bizarre... Like, even, frankly, just the room we're in right now, like, what would you do with this room if it wasn't a meet? Like, if you lived in here, uh, I mean, it's a very small, long room that, you know... Yeah, they couldn't make condos out of it. They couldn't really make office space out of it. They would have had... One guy suggested make a restaurant out of the chapel. That really upset the nuns, and mm-hmm. they, they started praying for us at that point. Um, <laughs> and did they have any... They didn't have any say in it, though, right? I mean, they had already... No, um, I'll tell you who had a say was a priest from Philadelphia. I, I, uh, I was working with, uh, with the Benedictine Catholic priest at St. Peter's downtown mm-hmm. who was on the board here trying to get the place going. Mm-hmm. And he called me up one day and said, the papal visitor is in Richmond and you've got to go see him. <laughs> okay. I said, I don't really think so. Yeah. <laughs> He said, well, he's not exactly a papal visitor. He's the, the person that the religious order has assigned to take care of the nun's property. Okay. And I learned that, which I should have known already, that female religious orders didn't have a whole lot of clout in Rome. Right. And that basically they had to have a, a male priest mm-hmm. carrying their um, business for them. So um, I went over with... I said, I'm, I'll go see him, but you got to go with me. So I took my priest friend, Charles Fisher, and he and I went over to the uh, monastery, uh, the new monastery where they had moved. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, sat down with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he basically accused us of trying to hold up his sale to other people, which was not true at all. We just right. didn't have any money. But we were just praying that we'd get it. So I guess if that was holding up the sale right. maybe it was <laughs> and um, you know I said that uh, we thought that Mary actually wanted us to have this monastery mm-hmm. that's awesome it did not impress him right. whatsoever <laughs> he wanted money um, <laughs> and uh, so he said um, I said you know if we get the money we'll call you right yeah and he said well I'll tell you what I'll give you till September 15th this was like June. So it's either he called me or I called him or the real estate agent on September 15th and told him we had $600,000 that was funny. <laughs> and, and so just like, uh, just, just from my story. But they needed to get rid of it. Right. They needed to sell it because they couldn't afford to have it like go through the winter again. They were afraid it would get uh, burned down. Right. Just from somebody using it. And so, so my story is complete. Is he in street clothes? When you say papal visitor, I'm well, thinking... This wasn't, and eventually was not the official papal visitor. Okay, good. I, it was just a priest from Philadelphia with dandruff on okay. his black suit. <laughs> I may, in fact, go ahead and edit that out because I want to believe in forever that he had the full, no, the full regalo on. The papal visitor did come around that time, but I did not get to meet him when he did. And, you know, I was scared. I didn't... 
was, I'm just a little Episcopal priest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but in what, um, so, so Richmond Hill is formed. I mean, is it, it, it you know, what kind of churches are we talking about? This is like all kinds of denominations, Richmond right? Chill is a Richmond Chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rebranding? That's a good chance for you That's, to edit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Richmond Hill is a, is an ecumenical Christian operation. Everybody here belongs to some denomination. Okay. And the group that gathered around the, you know, churches of Richmond don't get together very well. Right. But for some reason, you know, I think world history proves that churches in general don't get along very well. But for some reason, and I, you know, I think this is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I think it's a very powerful thing that happened. They wanted to keep this place a place of prayer. So Mm -hmm. the Southern Baptists who never dealt with anybody, the Catholics who basically weren't sure that some of the Christians, some of the rest of us were Christian, you know, nor were the Southern Baptists. In fact, the great thing about Christians is they think other people are. Who are Christians aren't Christian. That's sure. that's the deal. Um, but Walter Sullivan was a wonderful Catholic bishop who basically supported this. Um, Peter Lee, the bishop of Episcopal Bishop of Virginia, who was my patron. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Baptist Convention. Uh, Robert Taylor, who was the pastor of Fourth Baptist and really the dean of Black Baptist clergy in Richmond, was an avid and early supporter, as was. Dr. Ed McCrary, who was one of the great Baptist pastors of Richmond, and um, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I loved I loved seeing um, Bill O'Brien, the head of the Southern Baptist Foreign Mission Board, stand up and say to Bishop Walter Sullivan at a meeting we called, you know, I think that God wants us to keep to buy this monastery, mm-hmm. and having Walter agree, and both of them put money into purchasing it, as did Peter Lee, the Bishop of Virginia, and even, and even some Jewish leaders helped this happen. That's fantastic because they, everybody had a sense that if you had a place of prayer in the center of the city that had this kind of spirit and history to it, you didn't want to lose it because right. we're in a secular time sense of values eroding mm-hmm. forever. Deep, deep racist history that has not been healed yet. Absolutely. Um, all of, So the, the sense that, that we needed to do this and we needed to do it together mm-hmm. um, and that it was God's business and if he wanted it, it would happen. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's basically what the spirit was. There were 15 denominations in on the founding. That's great. Yeah, which is amazing. And, and, and you guys still do like non- Christian events, right? Or well, well, we do um, we do a lot of stuff that's that is not sec- that is not sectarian, and that we work with public education and involve try to involve Christians, Muslims, Jews, and Hindus in working through the MICA Association with twenty three elementary schools. We work with Armstrong High School. That's a non sectarian activity. We have, mm-hmm. We're not. We're living our religion, not teaching and preaching. Right. Um, and we do occasionally, we have a lot of groups here that are not religious who mm-hmm. come here for retreat. And we do, um, we have a, a couple of occasional retreats by groups that are not Christian. Most of the people who come here, um, who, a lot of the groups that come here are from churches, but some aren't. Mm-hmm. All we ask is that they respect the spirit of the place, and when we break for prayer three times a day, they either join us in the chapel for prayer or t- 
take the time to be quiet by themselves mm -hmm. so that they break the day, um, honor the time. Sure. And how does someone get involved with that? Like, how do they get to be, to get to a retreat? Walk just, in the door. Just give a call. Just if you want an individual retreat, you call up and say, can I, can I have an individual retreat? Okay. I'd like to do it on Tuesday night. Fine. Right. <laughs> um, you know, if you want a group to come here, call up and say, do you, can you all take 20 people next Tuesday during the day or next Friday night for 24 hours? Right. And what are people actually doing on the, other than the three prayer three times a day? I mean, is it is there a regimented thing or people are just doing whatever? People do all sorts of different things up here. I mean, if, um, uh, like the, um, we had all the principals from Richmond Elementary Schools here um, a month ago. Okay. They just came for midday lunch and for um, a two-hour meeting mm -hmm. and it, it was a kind of a uh, a time to just be encouraged and mm -hmm. we put that on for them right um, the um, if you came here for an individual retreat you'd walk in the door around four o'clock in the afternoon Somebody would ask you to sign in. They would give you. They would show you to a room, tell you the prayer times and the meal times, and ask you if you needed anybody to talk to. That's it. That's it. That's fantastic. So it's a. Uh, so that would be a time for you to seek the God of your understanding, or the quiet you need, or the or just the peace you need from God. Like a like a spiritual bed and breakfast. That's right. <laughs> I like that. That's right. That's fantastic. And that's classic retreat center work. That's called an individual retreat. Yeah. You know, uh, let's see. Um, I can't think of who I've been dealing with most recently. But if a church came here, a vestry might come here, a parish council might come here for a 48-hour, a 24-hour retreat, what they would be doing. We had a group here last night. A, a, a Lutheran church from Tidewater came up here, brought their staff, mm -hmm. um, spent the night, joined in prayer, and also did some work in planning for their year. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they didn't need us to do their retreat. Right. Um, we have a class called Vocare, which is teaching vocation, working with people on their vocation. We have a two-year school of spiritual guidance where people come here on retreat every Saturday night, Saturday night and Sunday once a month for 10 months and then two months off and then another 10 months mm -hmm. and pray together study spiritual issues, learn how to listen with one another for God's leading. That's, that's something we do. We perform, we promote and, uh, people, 20, 25 people sign up for that and we work with them. Now that's a different kind of retreat. Sure. Right. So, you know, you can pretty much do anything here. I mean, I like that. Yeah. As long as you want this kind of place, right? We are not, this is not the Marriott. Um, the accommodations <laughs> are fairly simple. You have to you have to clear your own table after you eat. Um, you know, if you shout at us too much, we may ask you to you know, <laughs> do some penance or some sort. I mean, we're not we're, we live here, so right. Um, we eat with the people who are here, mm -hmm. so everybody eats together. Sure. Um, so it's a kind of a a constant um, opportunity for people to meet and see each other. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful deal. That's awesome. We're we're, we're going to talk about the book on another time. Appreciate appreciate your time. Yeah, Jeff. It was fun. And you know what? That was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Ben. Uh, thank you very much to the, the Reverend Ben Campbell. Appreciate it. Uh, everybody, go check out his book. It really is interesting. 
uh, Richmond's Unhealed History. And go hear him speak on uh, March 23rd at 7.30 at Richmond Hill um, about Richmond's burning, the destruction of Richmond, and the liberation of its people. Uh, Let me know what you think about this episode. If you have any questions or comments, Facebook, Twitter, at History Replays, Tumblr. Follow me in all those places, and when I have the conversation with Ben about his book, again, you can ask questions. Let's do that. But, you know, make it a great day. <laughs>